It's going to be weird because uh, I feel like Cece is not going to join me in antagonizing you quite as much as Jen is. Um, but maybe we'll still have some. Maybe we'll still have some giggle fits. Um, when I'm, I know when I'm driving alone in my car, I'm always yelling no what the fuck to Jen and Joe and then nodding along with Shaheen so I don't know how (laughs) this is I feel betrayed you were so nice to me on Skype and now Shaheen is in the room and you're like P.S. I agree with you it's always it's not a matter of nice it's just a matter of like not agreeing almost ever are you fucking serious I used to write you guys love letters on Reddit. Like, this shouldn't come as a surprise, like, where we fall down on the spectrum of things, right? You mean that you just, we apparently just don't see eye to eye on anything ever, (laughs) and this is news to me? Um, I think I, I sometimes I mean, it's follow. It's kind of news to me too, but uh, I mean, it's but you, good but news you, to me. you like where you end up in this story. Uh, yeah, I, I like the news. <laughs> no, so. I, 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 chat, I that that's not a surprise. That's not a surprise. <laughs> God damn it! Right, that's awesome. God. Well, okay, this can start the show. Shot. <laughs> I'm sick of now. this. <laughs> so basically we're gonna gang up on joe is that what you're saying cool super cool got it listen i run a this very awesome. important twitter account we have like over 500 followers now <laughs> so we're almost up to like a porn star bot in our in our follower count just just you wait far but far less payout yeah <laughs> All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to Maybe Geek Again, episode 40, apparently. Um, How'd that happen? I know, right? My name is Shaheen, and um, as always, I want to welcome you. If you're a returning fan, thank you so much for coming back to us and listening to our garbage all the time. (laughs) Uh, It's really awesome. And if you're listening for the first time, we have this whole fake humility going on. You, you'll get used to it. So, <laughs> all right. I know. This is the um, second time you've wrangled and been really nice. And I'm like, mm, mm, <laughs> mm. You're, you're, you're leading us into season five, like for new listeners, thinking that we're like nice and pleased that other people are listening. Yeah. I mean, um, there will be other episodes where Joe will be wrangling and um, it will be a different podcast (laughs) um no actually i don't know i don't i think that no i think it's the same i mean we both suck at it (laughs) (laughs) all right so (laughs) so you can find us on soundcloud you probably found us on soundcloud if you're listening to us or you got hit on itunes or um maybe you found us on twitter Somehow go to go to iTunes or SoundCloud and find us, um, and then you know email tell your us. Friends. Tell your friends for sure. Share, comment. Um, Twitter is you know Joe is posting. Dick stuff. jokes. A lot what? of dick jokes. A lot of dick, dick jokes. jokes. Yeah. Dad jokes. Um, yeah, and so go over there. I mean, I don't know. We have a 
lesbian running the Twitter account. And what does that have to do with anything? It's barely gay these days. Well, that's what, I mean, dick jokes is, is, I mean, is that a gay thing? I appreciate dick jokes. Oh, yeah. For the, for the straight moms out there, I got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> got that straight mom demographic on lockdown. We need the dick jokes more than anyone. <laughs> yeah. How do you think we got into this mess? <laughs> oh god oh man so are you, are you um, gonna introduce us shaheen or is are yeah. people gonna get 10 minutes into the show and be like who the fuck are these people on this show yeah i was just thinking about that um <laughs> so yeah i mean email us at maybe geek again at gmail.com i'm done with that okay uh i'm joined today by my lovely co-host joe hi and our guest here capital chick Hey guys. A resident Hi, law expert slash not attorney. Attorney also lawyer. Anyway, um, there's. <laughs> we just learned. That, no, I mean this is. Yeah. This is a valid, a, a very exciting thing that we all learned while we were having technical difficulties. Yeah. And that is, lawyers are not attorneys. Actually, yeah. technically, so everyone who is well, actually, well, everyone is wrong. You're up. Well, you pass. Uh, well, you pass when you graduate from law school. You're a lawyer, but then you have to pass the bar to become an attorney. Yeah. And I think it's an archaic distinction because some people used to read the law what and then it? what take like yeah, like Abraham Lincoln taught himself the law and then took the bar exam. So he was also an attorney. Correct. He was not a lawyer, but he was an attorney. Is that? I think maybe nowadays, you, I don't know if people are allowed to read the law anymore, like sit in a room and teach yourself the law. But Yeah. So. Well, see, you learned some, we already learned something on the podcast. Uh, everyone can go home. Yeah, that was fast. Cool. All right. So <laughs> wrapping up. <laughs> so <laughs> forget what everyone is drinking. CC is drinking something red. It's not blood. Um, <laughs> What is it? Sometimes blood. <laughs> like this is my question. It's not blood today, but <laughs> usually um, it is a rosé. Correct. Correct. Rosé all day. Shaheen is drinking microwave tea. I'm drinking water. All right. Um, Perfect. All right. Cool. Let's wrap this up. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into overall takes. So I'll I'll go last, or I'll maybe just shut up this episode. You guys, can just, I, yeah. all right. I think you should go first. Yeah, I no. feel like you should go first. No, Joe, you go first. You know, let's start with a positive note. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll do positive, and then we can do you, and then, and sandwich then we'll do it with, Yeah. Yeah. We'll, see, do we'll a, wrap we'll it up do for a us and make sandwich. sense of all of our nonsense. Exactly. Um, I I thought it was a great episode. Um, I will say that I did think that we we collectively on the internet sort of got into our own snowball of of uh, overhype. Um, mostly just because I was disappointed by the lack of actual cannibalism, and I you know, dude, that's still. I, have, I feel like that's still a possibility, and we will talk about that. Later. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's still a possibility, but like I think we all kind of expected there to be a little bit of actual people eating. Um, in this and I, so, so, so I have a question because it's not even really worth getting into it, like on the main part of the pod. So, so there was the scene where, where Abby is, is telling, is it, is, did she pronounce it Kara or Kara? I think it's Kara. Kara. Okay. This is going to confuse me as someone who watches Supergirl, but whatever. <laughs> um, so Kara, um, you know, Abby's like, oh, you know, it's going to take, a, it's not going to be quick because then they're going to start eating their dead when they start to starve, blah, blah, blah. 
And I'm, you know, don't you remember when the blight happened in Farm Station? And it's like, wh why? I, I get that, like, eating eating people is probably not preferable. But in a survival situation, I kind of feel like floating them or, you know, not eating caloric meat is, I don't know, not a good idea. Am I a terrible person? Well, but I mean, but if people are starving and you open that, once you open that door, then do people just start murdering people because they're hungry? Well, I mean, eventually you'd reach an equilibrium, wouldn't you? Where like, or, or, you know, even when we have these um, gladiator conclaves, like what happens to the body? Yeah, I mean, we should talk about that in the in the thing because I think that's a yeah that's okay. That so just we, so weaves into the whole issue of into. like yeah. I mean, it's it weaves into the whole issue of like was is this justified after all or not? Um, what okay, did this sorry. episode well, give us enough to understand why where this practice came from and why they do it? Um, so yeah, so that's my compliment sandwich. Um, my, my, my first slice of bread in our compliment sandwich. Actually, you know, that segues into what I want to say in my overall take, because um, not specifically because of cannibalism, but I think cannibalism would have explained some of it um, if, if that was there. Or, I mean, it, the fact that they want these people to, for food, that would have explained some of it. But um, more broadly, I have issues with how decisions were justified um, and whether they were justified or whether we were just asked to accept that, yeah, this is just something that we want you to accept because it's kind of crazy and uh, it's kind of the premise we decided to go with. Um, and I don't like it when stories do that, when they kind of ask you to just, you know, they don't give you enough to feel like, oh, okay, yeah, I see how they had to do this within a, you know, reasonable range of possibilities and instead just ask you to accept that this random thing happened we'll get into that it seems kind of hand hand wavy and pushed some and you're refer you're referring specifically to the gladiator combat yeah that's the main aspect of it but there's other i feel like the whole episode i'm just like it's the whole thing is a will actually to me um. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i see what you're saying in terms of like we got this like sort of okay, we figured out Octavia sort of accepting her responsibility as a leader. But yeah, like there was definitely like a big mental leap in terms of like, and now in present day, she is the, you know, blood arena, like deciding fates of whoever lives in the gladiator arena. Like, why is there chain link fence around the gladiator arena? Like, did people shove other people down there? Like, it, we definitely got sort of like a big jump and I don't know if that was adequately explained of like how you get to that point. But I also think that in some ways, the fact that that is where we end up does kind of speak a lot to the sort of symbolism that we were well, asked we're, to And we're not, and we're not episode. done. Yeah. We're not done. Cause yeah, we've seen stills of scenes that are still taking place down there. So I think we're going to get yeah. more, Maybe, yeah. Maybe there's more explanation coming again. Yeah. So let's get into that. But um, so what was your overall take, Cece, before we get into that? So I think, you know, this was an episode that I, in terms of my first impressions, I think it was like a victim of over of being overhyped by folks who had had the screeners and then just sort of like fandom, <laughs> like, 
how, oh my, what's going to go down in terms of cannibalism, et cetera. But ultimately, so, so I liked it, but I spent the whole time waiting for the truly shocking thing that was going to happen. Um, and I thought that the pacing was really sort of, it's the first time I've watched an episode of The 100 and and just noticed the commercials a lot and felt <laughs> frustrated by them. But but I liked it. I mean, it, it made me cry like at least twice. And then. Wait, what was the other time? Um, oh, Kane and Abby. Mm. Really? Yeah. And I don't give me the really. Like, <laughs> can we just sometimes in our. Feel like, our fucking feelings. Feel our fucking feelings. And like, why would people want to survive all of this? Like, oh, my that- God. Are you the one who like, are, do you identify with Kane and Abby? Is this our like. Am I a young person in this in this identification? Are you asking they, Wait, what? What? Like, <laughs> like is that, are is they that, th- is that are you saying this because I'm 40? Like what? <laughs> are you saying it because you're 40? <laughs> I was gonna say because like you're married and have children, but you know, if you want to make it about age, man, oh, that's not I my, mean, oh, that's not I, my no, business. I take it back. I cried three times. Three fucking oh, for fuck's times. Sake. Three times during this episode. Yeah. What Okay, so Jaha's death, Kane and Abby, and what was the other one? Um, Jaha saying goodbye to Ethan when it was all sort of a fill-in for what he never got to do with Wells. Huh. Okay. All right. <laughs> I just, I, whatever, like, I, I was not buying the, like, little kids bit of it. Like, I know that it was Because you hate children, Joe. You hate children. I do hate children, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> Yes. Number one, I hate children. Number two, full disclosure, anti-child, um, except for yours, Cece. They are adorable. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was like, (laughs) yes, I'm very, very partial about my, my liking of, of specific children. Anyway, sorry. We don't need to get into this. We're, we have more important things to discuss than my dislike of offspring. Yeah. What you were, you were telling us your Overall takes. Yeah. So, but my, but the more it's one of those episodes that, I mean, there's different episodes of the hundred. There's episodes like the conclave episode that makes you just like sit back and you're like, what did just happen? Like what just happened? This is one of these episodes that to me is sort of like an onion in terms of the layers. And the more, the more I think about what it did with the mythology of the show and the character history and then real life history and kind of melding history and politics and literature references. Like it is my happy place. It, like this is, this is what I want from entertainment is back when I couldn't decide whether to major in English or political science. And I just want to live in this place. Like I love this episode, I especially it. I feel like had so much, like you and I both have like a ton of notes that like don't really even overlap, but they were totally like, you know, AP literature analysis papers. Oh yeah, <laughs> you could write f- 15 papers about this episode. Whoa, so like, I'm- I don't know. Okay, see that's. <laughs> I could do it. All right, I could do it. Uh, I, I mean, don't know if they'd be you good. You could do it. It doesn't mean they would be good papers. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! Like I, okay, the 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 argument doesn't have to be stretched. It's, well, okay. so you, so you, so there's two different things. You can think. Characters were doing things to get from point A to point B, but there are a lot of literary references and a lot of things that are sort of laying out themes for season five that I thought were really well done and I'm really excited about. Okay. I mean, I guess I see the um, 
we'll we'll talk about the literary connections uh again that those also have to be like the the connections shouldn't be too tenuous but well okay we'll get get into that (laughs) so but what was did you even finish your overall take yeah my overall take is that i liked it and then the more and more i think about it oh you notice the literary references and stuff okay yeah yeah all right, cool. So I guess let's let's start with the the big elephant in the room. So okay, so here's my issue, I guess, um, with this whole Octavia thing. So I was when I started watching this episode, I was expecting to get an explanation for um, what exactly made this sort of practice of people fighting to the death and the last person you know, winning something or getting to walk. Um, what made this practice necessary uh, in the bunker? And what was it that could not have been addressed differently? And I don't feel like I got that. Um, I like that we start off, they start off by showing how Octavia is willing to make the punishment fit the crime. And even when, you know, there's that one scene with the blanket stealing and stuff. I love the moment with the blanket and her facial expression of just like the fuck you're bringing this to my attention <laughs> like give the blankets back and you're just kind of like well yeah no that makes sense <laughs> but then you know grounder justice is like stone them to death and you're like oh well yeah huh. I mean as Kane pointed out arc justice would have also been to float them uh, but give it back also seems a little too Lenient? I would say like, yeah, they have to give it back, but they also should face some punishment on top of that. But, but yeah. anyway, um, but I, then even when Indra um, tells those rebelling grounders that they will die for rebelling, um, Octavia says no. And, you know, she says like they're scared and angry and whatever. Okay. So we know she started off in this position where she was trying to be fair and, and make the punishment fit the crime. So that's good. And then, <laughs> okay, so then what happens, what made it that the gladiator-style gladiator fight, um, fight for life where, you know, the most murderous person, the, the person who's best, is, best at murdering people gets to be free? Uh, A chance to be free. Yeah, how is that? How did that solve everything that we see we saw in this episode? Like, what we saw was... First of all, they real they found out they were trapped, and then they found out they don't have enough food. And I have issues with that. First of all, okay, so there's like it's just is like a fractal of well, actually, it's this entire thing. So, like, first of all, um, I don't understand how the 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 part about being trapped is related to the part about food. The way this was presented was that when they found out that they can't get out of the bunker. Their calculations were thrown in, in in whack, and then they realized they have to start rationing food. But that doesn't make no, any sense. No, that's, but that's not. So, oh, but there's two different things. So the first is, the first thing that messed up the calculation was when instead of how many were Sky Crew, 300-something Sky Crew, then Octavia lets... <clears throat> 1200 people in the bunker but that's and i so, thought that too but if you if you watch the episode again she says i did that, she says i thought i could stretch it i could stretch it for five years mm-hmm. but now now that they're going to be down there into perpetuity it's a different 
it's a m- much larger problem. So, so you have the- you go from three hundred to twelve hundred, and you can manage that for maybe five years. But beyond that, then it's not sustainable. Okay, so let's forget about the three hundred to twelve hundred because the idea is with twelve hundred people, if you were to stay there for five years, they would have adequate food and everything. Um, and now that you can't get out of there in five years, now what exactly happens is the idea that the farm will be depleted in a way that will make it impossible to, like, it will just stop yeah. working in, entirely. Yeah. Isn't that what Kara said or Kara said? Yeah. I think that the idea is like they can deal with, they can kind of stretch it with crop rotations and stuff like that. But eventually that sort of duct tape solution won't hold. Won't hold. And so that was kind okay. of... Okay, that's yeah, not... Like, okay, I mean, first of all, we were given to believe that the mountain men, um, they had a hydroponic farm that lasted 100 years. Right, but that was a different different bunker, different technology. Like, we don't... Just go with it, Shaheen. And, like, okay. this is just and one now, of those things. Okay, the idea is, okay, this, we could have made this last for five years, give people good food... Now that it's we don't it's indefinite amount of time. Now we have to start giving people so little food that they'll be hungry. Like I, it just doesn't add up for me that they would like they had to rush this within forty six days, and they make these time decisions that I don't understand. Sometimes they have to get some character or some plot from one point to another within a month in the story, like a month in the story time. Um, And I don't understand why they have to squeeze it in there. So they have to make it so that as soon as you realize you're trapped in the bunker, the the crops won't last anymore. And and now you have to start giving people half rations. Okay. I mean, I think if, I think if, I think if you, I mean, I think everyone acknowledges that it's schmeyance, right? Yeah. So like if you, but if you step back, I don't have a problem with the logic that we thought we were going to have 300 people. Now we have 1,200. We can make that work for five years. We can't make that work for decades. For longer. Period. And and the issue there is we it might be longer than five years. Like I think that, yeah, like you have to overlook the schmience of the episode because the schmience was not the point of the episode. I mean it's, – it's, it's not just longer than five years barring the magical, you know – sonar gun that McCreary has. <laughs> the Allegius, yeah. Like, they're there, it could be they're indefinite. There, they're there forever. And, and that's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, never going to work, like, no matter what. And, and this, again, this is a problem itself, that, like, if this was such a serious issue... They should have thought about it before. Anyway. But thought so, about it, but, but, thought, but thought about it, like, I mean, thought about it when? Like season four took place in what period of time? And they went to the one place in the world of the show that you could survive and you do what you can and you have zero other options. I mean, when you get out and when you get on the other side of any door, your first question should be, can I get back on the other side of it? And <laughs> like, listen, Shahi. Like in real life, like you should never walk through a door where you're not sure that you can walk back to the other side of it. And so, <laughs> but they, but there was no other side to walk back to. So you're going to go through the door, and turns out it was a bad idea. And- okay, but going back to you, your, you, what you need filled in in terms of the basically. 
the whole at the top of the episode sets up we need a justice system. We have two different cultures. Yeah. So that's one yeah. problem we have. We we need a justice system. The other problem we have is there's too many people somehow we we really don't have en- enough food. Okay. Let's even go with that. So, so wait, 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 wait. But let's but go wait, with Shaheen, that. but Shaheen, take those two things that you just said. Mm-hmm. Why is what Octavia came up with not a solution to both? Um because first of all, it's not a justice system. It rewards the most brutal person who committed. I mean, are we? I don't even understand. Okay, are these are crim, all criminals? Like, is the idea that the, the people who go into the arena are criminals? They committed something. That's, that's what we don't know, right? Because I, by the time we see Kane in in the arena, all of us are like, "What the fuck did Kane do?" Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, Kane yeah, could have I mean, violated some is- sort of rule. And the thing I noticed, like they tried to float Abby in season one, you know, I, I, you know, we have had referenced and and this, I love it. This is like when everybody get, and I'm like, this is, could we have a spinoff series? It's like the hundred law and order. (laughs) 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 So they referenced, you know, previously in the show, they've referenced that the juveniles would have a trial once they became 18 here, Mm -hmm. Octavia walks into a room and says, when they open the door and says, take only the guilty. And I'm like, well, how the fuck do you know who the guilty are? Right. That's, there's a couple steps before you come to that conclusion. So real, not everyone's an attorney. All right. She only graduated (laughs) law school. She's just a lawyer. Cut her some fucking slack. So when you say it's a justice system, it's just a system of sentencing. Like what has remained the same is that a, there is a unilateral, there's one person who decides who goes in that arena. So they've already decided you're guilty. You don't go in that arena until someone's- Unless you're guilty. Unless someone's determined that you you broke the rule. I mean, this seems a lot like drowning witches in a way of like, in terms of arriving at a a conclusion. Right, but right, right. Like if you sink- if, if you, you think you weren't a witch and you're like, <laughs> and if well. you're sick, yeah, <laughs> which was, a, so, which was a legit trial. It was trial by jury, trial by ordeal and trial by water. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so if you think you weren't a witch, but bad news is you're dead. You know, in this case, it's, you might have been, you know, innocent. You might have actually done the crime, but whether or not you are, um, whether or not you live has absolutely nothing to do after, like once you step in the arena, your guilt or innocence or anything has nothing to do with whether or not you walk out of there. Right. But what I think was interesting is that she took to, at the top of the episode, you have this discussion, people are breaking rules. People are, as long Mm -hmm. as there's rules, humanity is going to break rules. Mm -hmm. And you have all of these, you have two different cultures, one, which was, and I, I mean, in some ways, they're both an eye, like they're an eye for an eye. One is an eye for an eye and the other is uh, you die no matter what level of misdemeanor yeah, through like felony Like in some ways, the, You're the better sky off. crew punishment was like, ugh. So like, what? So harsher. what? I guess what I liked about it, in addition to it being a, <laughs> t- a tell, like a cautionary tale of the bedtime stories that you tell your children <laughs> with, don't tell the them. giving ro- tree? Don't, no, no, but Roman history, like she, mm. at the top of the episode. Right. We got two really good stories, like two literary 
yeah. references that actually tie back into a bunch of other stuff that I'm sure that we'll get into. But anyway. So what I like is that Octavia, like the first thing that I like is she reaches back to something that is so far back in human history. It's actually common to everyone in that room. Right. So whether you're, I mean, and I think that's kind of one of the interesting things with them returning back to these kind of foundational Western civilization, like myths, you know, Rome or the Old Testament, all of the things that they're kind of reaching back and folding in symbolically into the show. But she reaches back and whether you're grounder or whether you're sky crew, what is common to both those histories is is Rome. She reaches back to that. Then, mm-hmm. rec- like more recently, one of the problems that Kara is articulating in that scene in the sort of like executive suite of the bunker <laughs> is that they don't have any agency, right? So you have the culling and people's bodies were literally just carried out. The sentencing that Octavia devises gives you I mean, we can talk about whether it's real or an illusion, but it gives people a feeling that there's agency. So if they can fight their way out, there's mm-hmm. they have a chance. Well, why but it is also that a takes good punishment it, system. Well, like there. Are, but wait, but let me. Well, we can like circle back, but just to close the loop really mm-hmm. quickly, and then it takes from the grounders their tradition that there's combat and that combat yields a result, and she takes these two strains and puts them together. And I just think it's a really interesting, I mean, I'm really interested this season, this whole theme of how do you bring people from different clans, from different groups together and give them common things to believe in. So from that perspective, I thought it was interesting and it practically solved two problems. Like it gives you an incentive to not want to break a rule. Yeah. And it reduces population. And maybe we'll find out in the next episode. It also That they eat them. That they eat them. Yay, cannibals. <laughs> I mean, if they say that they eat them, that, like I said, that adds to the justification and that would make me a little happier. Um, <laughs> but, does it, they, but don't cause, you? Yeah, because otherwise it's just combat for, for population reduction, but that actually, like, you know, it's, it's wasteful too. But doesn't yeah. that give I mean, people some, if you were just going to do another culling, if you were sitting in that population and someone said either Octavia, Kane, and Abby and Indra are going to sit in a room and make a list and they're going to decide who dies and who Well, lives. it's the same conversation that Jaha had with, with Clark in right. season four. You right. have to let people believe that they have a chance. Exactly. And you're guilty, so you're going to have to fight to the death, but you have a chance. Right. But I thought Octavia was, I mean, we started the episode with Octavia being against this being against call another calling yeah. population reduction and she wanted to do rations half rations or whatever. and then yeah except honestly like i would say trying to put people on half rations for a year for five years six years indefinitely that would be more that would be more likely to incite violence hangry um hung, yeah the hangry right are so real. we should have seen that like there should have been a story of like okay um we contained that whole rebellion thing but people are just too hangry or whatever. They're too on edge. They're too uh, violent and they're just, they can't. There's no Snickers bars. <laughs> yeah. And In we, my notes, I'm writing hangry, hangry bunker crew. <laughs> but we don't have, but I mean, the thing is, we you can't contain had that. And so this would it, then right. serve as a way of, of that, that, I mean, this could you serve. <laughs> It could have been a whole season. It could have been an entire season five. But, of, you know, but uh, it's not. I don't, that time. I don't know. I mean, 
Yeah, it could. This could serve as a way of like regulating violence, but there was no indication that violence was needed to begin with. So this is just like. Except it's entertaining. You forget that part. The other, the other know. advantage of having this combat is people like watching bloody shit. Yeah, like that was the whole thing about the gladiators about was that. a way to give the peasants something to watch. It's why we had public hangings. Like that's a it's, that's you a know, fun the story that we tell ourselves. I'm very. I don't know enough history to know this, but I'm very skeptical of that. This idea that uh, gladiator fights were to entertain or whatever. I don't know. Like I, we tell ourselves these things of like. Everyone thinks, but it totally was. They brought in lions. People would cheer. Um, you know, it, 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 it. We watch UFC right now. Like people like blood sport. And sorry, six years in a bunker. Like these sort of tensions. I can absolutely see that this has become a thing that people. It's something to do. It's not these four fucking, you know, walls of concrete that surround you the whole time. Like it's fucked up and it gets into this like dark aspect of human nature of like, we always saw the grounders as, you know, like, oh, they're super violent. They're super savage, blah, blah, blah. But Sky Crew, you ain't that much better. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, whatever, in whatever form it takes, people love to watch as entertainment, whether yeah. it's watching, it's whether it's fucking, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is whether it's fighting or whether it's watching the OJ Simpson trial or watching like the Michael Jackson civil trial, like people love to watch when things are stakes like that. And I, it, I don't know if it's a form of escapism. So you can kind of feel this thrill of high stakes. And I think mm-hmm. it was a pretty, I mean, it's dark as hell, but it's yeah. clearly tapping into something that like human beings like to watch and feel that visceral thrill of whether it's like a sporting event or a violent, like watching boxing or I mean, none of these examples you're mentioning involve actually killing someone. Like the, even the UFC, we're not supposed to like kill each other. But they used to. But like we, if we used talk to. About, yeah. If we talk about just combat, how it used to be, like we're a little bit more civilized with it now. We put little like soft gloves on people's hands. But, you know, it wasn't always like that. I mean, are we, I mean, are we like, uh, I mean, I don't know, I don't if you know watch, that people, do you, feel, you're assuming- do you feel civilized? Do you feel civilized watching the NFL lately? <laughs> knowing that everyone is playing <laughs> that? Concussions? Yeah. I mean. If you've ever been in a room watching a football game and seen that like thrill that people in the room get when when there's a really hard hit, it's super fucked up. It's like, fucked no, up. I'm not that denying like that people need to channel this this desire into these things to be satisfied. I mean, I mean, have you noticed the show we were watching? <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> right. that's. But this is this is cathartic. This is watching something that's not real in order to satisfy the desire but, that you can't satisfy in reality, right? But it's the same feeling for the audience. Exactly. If they're frustrated, they're living underground for five, six years, they don't know if they can get out. Instead of turning and being violent to the person next to them, they can channel that frustration and escape it for a little while by watching this life and death entertainment in front of them. Like, it's fucked Again, up. It is not... This is all stuff that you're filling in. This None of this was said or indicated on the episode. I, I'm not. Octavia specifically references in Rome 
she specifically references human history when this has happened. I don't think I'm filling in. I think it's made actually like in the text of the show. Well, the Rome yeah. reference itself is kind of tenuous for me, but like she doesn't say anything about there is need for violence and we need to channel that. That was never discussed on, in the subject. No, but that's that's an evolution. And when you see the end and you see the crowd, you know, like at the at the end of the six years, when we see like Octavia, like on her throne and some dark fucking shit that clearly and I would like to get into, you know, kind of the way that the people that the camera chose to focus on Indra specifically, mm-hmm. um, as well as 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 Kara. Um, I think that given the audience reaction, it is very clear that we have sort of reverted back to these back to these gladiator roots where it is the entertainment. Like and I, people were cheering. Yeah, and I disagree that it wasn't. I mean, from the top of the episode, the moment that they find out, first of all, we know that there's sort of political unrest in terms of accepting, even before they find out that they can't get out. We know that there's political unrest and sort of an unwillingness to really truly believe in this one crew. Like as Gaia says, it was one thing when we all thought it was going to save us from prime fire. And now we have to live with it. Then once they find out that they can't get out, Indra's talking about, we need to separate people and have clans eat at specific times at cafeterias and increase the guards. I mean, leading up to then sort of this like hellish, you know, in the hallways where there's just random beatings going on. And when Jaha and Octavia are hiding in the hallway, I mean, it's like building, building, building. People need an outlet for their frustration and for the violence. I mean, it's a super dark and fucked up view of how human beings react to that kind of stress. But it's not really wrong. But I think it was, I think there the seeds were there throughout the episode that they needed an outlet. And so she's checked she solved a lot of problems yeah. in, in a super <laughs> fucked up way. You know, lack of food, a justice system, people need to be entertained, people need an outlet for their frustration. What should we do? I'm going to go mean, back the to lack my history of food book. thing is just like, they're, okay, they're reducing population, um, but they could have used the bodies for, you know. Well, that's what I'm hoping we're going to get some cannibalism. Like- oh, no, I mean, Jaha said when they were working on the wiring, Octavia's like, even if we solve this, we still have a problem if there's too many people. And Jaha says that's a problem for another day. I don't think that coupled with Abby's discussion of cannibalism on Farm Station <laughs> is it other than just a shout out to Reddit. Just is, a little wink in, in the a, show. Is a coincidence. I think that we're going to, I mean, you know, we've known from interviews that both Adina Porter and, and Marie said they find an interesting way of, of figuring out sustenance. Right. I don't think. So- my question is like, cause you know, they've, they've talked about uh, at unity days, especially the whole cast was talking about like, Oh, you guys aren't ready for the shit that happens in the bunker, blah, blah, blah. And so I don't think, I hope that that sort of hype wasn't for this episode. Cause this one, I was like, yeah, sure. This seems reasonable. I know we were laughing that like, basically the audience of the hundred is now like one crew after the six year time jump <laughs> where we're just hardened bitches and nothing shocks us. Like, and we're all yeah, disappointed. Trial that by nobody, combat, whatevs. Yeah. So what, whatevs. did you eat them? Did you eat them? Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't count unless you barbecue the eyeballs, okay? Otherwise you're just a fucking casual. So tell us about this history connection, Cece. What, like, okay. Yeah, so let's get into the Ovid. Ovid. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I... I took a lot of Latin in high school. I'm just going to so, make a note that just says CC is a nerd. I'm a total nerd. 
I'm about to nerd out so hard, but I had to, tr- we basically Latin, like you don't really, if you take a Latin class, you don't sit, you, it's not like a language that you speak. All you do is sit around and translate all of these myths and stories. And so I got super excited. I, I could, I actually didn't catch at first the book, the name of the book that Nyla passed along to Octavia. But so Ovid's um, Metamorphosis is basically Ovid, like Shakespeare, writing plays to justify this new, the new Tudor dynasty. He wrote it to basically mythologize Caesar as a god to legitimize Augustus, um, who was his heir. And, you know, more cynically, if you are transitioning from a republic to an empire and you're trying to convince the public to accept a dictator, then it's a, a pretty compelling way to do that is to say, well, it's ordained by the gods, so you should accept God's will. And so there was a lot of really interesting both historical and and literary references. So the whole, um, the the use of blood throughout the episode in um, what Ovid set up is so basically setting up that the gods knew that, you know, it was preordained that Caesar was going to die. And there's all these omens of like blood raining down from the sky. Um, If you've ever like studied Shakespeare's Julius Caesar or, or seen that staged, or even if you watch like HBO's Rome, usually it's staged, you know, the senators are wearing all white Mm -hmm. and they're surrounding Caesar and they all stab him, you know, so then their robes are red with blood and, and there's blood everywhere, right? Like I've never seen it like not staged, (laughs) just blood, just ketchup, just everywhere. Everywhere. But so, but the blood of the people surrounding the person in the middle, and they have the person in the middle who's assassinated and stabbed, and then the blood is all over the people who are surrounding them. And so what they did is with the way they staged it, they, it's it's the inverse. So Octavia is surrounded. She's the one that's, you know, in jeopardy being surrounded by people. But instead of being assassinated, she's the one that stabs everybody, is covered in their blood. Um and then she uses that to sort of assume it, it ends the same way um, in that someone kind of ending, you know, what we saw as a council and an attempt to have representation by clans. And instead, she assumes becoming the emperor and is sitting like a Roman emperor where she's raising her hand to determine like who lives or dies. Um, and to geek out even more, we know that there is a later episode um, and it's this terrible sink semper. Is it Tyrannus? Tyr- I, probably Tyrannus. I know. It's funny. It's like you take Latin, but then you don't say it out loud. You're writing it. But <laughs> um, but there's that is what was allegedly shouted during Caesar's assassination, death to tyranny. It's also the still to this day, if you look at the state flag of Virginia, it's the motto of Virginia back from the American Revolution. That's where Eden is located in the Shenandoah Valley. And it just later in American history, John Wilkes Booth, after shooting Lincoln, jumped from the balcony of Ford's Theater onto the stage and shouted, um, shouted that death to tyranny and then ran off. And so it's just like this, like Christmas present of <laughs> literary. I'm like so excited of literary and historical references, but also political. There are also some good movie references that I'll get into once you know, once it's, once it's my turn on this, but continue. Like there were, this was a whole reference thing. Like this episode. I mean, it's, it's like, 
Yeah. There's Easter eggs everywhere. I just said like two different holidays and mixing up holidays, but <laughs> that's how excited I am. But there, it, so I think it's interesting just in terms of what they're saying that we have always used, you know, what Gaia did was so shrewd at the end. Right. It Fucking was Gaia. Just, I mean, and it, I don't think it's just, I mean, I, and we can get into this later, but regard putting aside for a second, whether it's like a faith or religion, there's always pageantry to politics. Well, I mean, in, in right? some ways there's, it's a little bit of, of, of a sickening perversion of uh, the emperor's new clothes um, <laughs> where it's not that the, it's not that in this case, uh, Octavia felt like a fake at the beginning wearing these c- trappings of the commander. Like in that way, she was, naked. Um, people saw through her people didn't, you know, she didn't have the authority. Um, but then, you know, when she came out there with her, with her new duds that were basically the insides of other people, um, that's when she rose and became the emperor. Um, and yeah, Gaia was fucking smart as shit to be like, "Mm -mm, we're not cleaning her up. Like this is what they are going to respect. Okay. So I have problems with the whole Gaia thing too. (laughs) God damn it. Shaheen. But I think, I mean, put so I would love to talk about whether it's actually still religion or not. But but I love that they are telling a story about how, I mean, I think when a lot of people talk about myths and mythology, we think about it in terms of like stories that we read and, and you know, in terms of like Greek myths. But we mythologize political figures all the time. Well, it, and we use that, and we use that pageantry. For example, like think about the president's inauguration. We use that pageantry to sort of enforce a peaceful transfer of power. And it has to be in the same steps and it has mm-hmm. to be on the same day. And you have to do say the same words and that, and it's all pageantry to make people submit. Right. And so that I thought it was just really interesting the way that they were using pageantry to kind of make people feel collectively that they should basically give up their free will, enter into this social contract with Octavia and follow her. Um, But also mythologizing her the way we mythologize all kinds of political figures. Like think about the way we talk about the founding fathers or Lincoln. Um, We don't, we don't really like dig into their faults (laughs) as much until, you know, until you read like a biography and you're like, Oh my God, the founding fathers were also a bunch of assholes <laughs> who criticize each other all the time. Like, so I just, that yeah, part I mean, about the episode made me just really excited. And I just thought it was really smart. But, but to your point, to your point about the, uh, the mythologizing of Octavia, it's really interesting that this episode comes on the heels of Eden, where we saw mm-hmm. what happens in terms of a child's mythologization. Is that, is that a word? Mythologization, whatever. Mythologization. Mythologization sure. of, uh, <laughs> of Octavia, where you only sort of get these partial stories from Clark, you know, and a picture and already, um, already Maddie is like, she's a fucking beast. Like no one could get her. And just to add to that, like, I think it's going to be really interesting with Maddie, um, sort of when, if, if it's sort of a don't meet your heroes situation or if Octavia is even more amazing to, to her. Well, yeah. And you're, and you're going to have all these myths conflicting. Mm-hmm. Like you have her friends in space and Clark who remember her, more as, but, but even then when you're remembering somebody from six years ago, what do you select to think about them versus what you, you know, yeah. kind of put 
in the background. And then you have Maddie, who's who's growing up with the story of Sky Ripa, who won the Conclave and saved all the clans. And then you have a new mythological figure of Blood Reina, who's down in the bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's all going to collide. And it's just really interesting that they have chosen Octavia like as this focal point. I think like, the death watch on Octavia just went up. Um, after mm. this episode, I feel like <laughs> given sort of the, the, the emperor and Caesar comparisons and sort of the looks that we got from Indra and the way that Kane looks and like who we expect Bellamy to be this season, I think, I think if we're talking about the, the big four of Clark, Bellamy, Octavia and Raven, I think Octavia just jumped to the front. Um, because how do you, how do you deal with, because she's either going to be a villain which I think that she still might be, um, you know, kind of having, she's used to having power for six years, absolute power. And I, it, it, we definitely saw that some of her followers maybe don't really like are kind of not happy with the way that things have gone. And so once they get out of the bunker, um, I, I, you know, I made a note in here, you know, at two in Dre, um, which is, <laughs> I, I think, mm-hmm. I think of people to challenge Octavia, I wouldn't be surprised if Indra and Kane maybe had a little something, something on the side, um, you know, realizing that they need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think that I agree that they're using uh, Octavia's character. Um, they're making really good use of Octavia's character like this. I did not see this potential <laughs> for this character at the uh, you know towards the end of season four because you know she started season four and for the most of for most of season four the first half at least she was just like a um, aimless assassin or murderer who you know would just murder for now anything. she's emperor assassin um, now she has all these layers and whatever so it's very interesting. Um, going back to Gaia, though. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so, Gaia. I mean, again, this is like they they start the episode by saying this character is in this place, and they 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 end the episode by saying the character is in this other place, and then how the fuck did we um, get there? And then you know, I you can sit here and like explain how we get there, but like it was just sort of shoved down our throats that this character started by saying no this is bullshit she's not a real commander um i still believe in the uh, night blood and the, the flame and whatever and then all of a sudden she's like oh this is consistent with the rest of my beliefs actually <laughs> well, now that see, i think oh, about so it you're taking i can what... actually accommodate this in my worldview it is how the, but this you're is just t- like so first, but so well, two things. First of all, you're taking that at face value instead taking of what at face value that she you, converted. Yes, and second, people. Yes, I'm believing that she she changed her mind. Okay, and then second, that people don't when they're confronted with new realities figure out a way to make their religious faith accommodate that. Because I I think that's actually um, pretty common. Sure. I mean, but for the it, that doesn't make it a good story though. <laughs> like you can tell, like there are lots of things that can happen, but I need to believe that this is what happened rather than be like, okay, this is what I need to happen for my story, and 
suck it. You have to you have to just accept it. I mean, I guess I I just thought of it and, and maybe I'm I could be reading more into it, but I didn't accept that Gaia truly, you know, that it was some moment of conversion, but rather she's just very savvy and shrewd and was like, I'm here I am holding out for a nightblood that doesn't exist in this bunker. And I have somebody in front of me that just saved us twice. Like, what the hell am I holding out for? Uh-huh. If anything, it might have been like, in some ways, like, um, not a crisis of faith, but, you know, a moment of like the commanders, maybe, maybe they are showing me all along, like I'm, I've been ignoring the signs of who the next commander should be. Because clearly after seeing the, what Octavia did, that is who the commanders have, who the spirit of the commanders or whoever deity or whatever that she believes in have been pushing her towards. Like it's kind of this moment of, oh fuck, I wasn't reading the signs. Or she doubted. Yeah. Right. And she doubted and she comes out on the other side of this ordeal saying, I was doubting and I should have had faith all along. I mean, I have a little trouble with whether this is actually, I mean, when you think of religion, you're thinking of something that you have faith in that you can't prove. And that's not really the situation that we have with the spirit of the commanders and the flame. Like we know it's real. Like we know that their subconscious is, is in their collective subconscious is in the flame. So when she, when Gaia says we want someone who's a nightblood so that they can be guided by the spirits of the commanders, like that's not, it doesn't have to necessarily be religious mumbo jumbo. You could actually putting all sort of religion and faith aside, say, I want somebody who has the capability to take this flame and be advised by the wisdom of, you know, 30, 40 something other leaders. That's the system we've always had. And that's what I want to continue. And it's not, it's not a belief in something that you can't prove. So mm-hmm. we're, we're in a situation now where we know that we're not back in season two with Pana when Lexa was like the spirit of the commanders. And we thought it was just this, this religious belief that they were choosing them from sort of like beyond yeah. the grave. We know that they're now in the flame. And so I think it's, it's weird to have a yeah. real religion. Well, the part of it that is there, it does have um, sort of metaphysical aspects or, or sort of just like other ontological aspects that are not easily um, demonstrated. Like they think that when you fight in the conclave, the spirit of the commander chooses you and all that, that's all made up. Right. And, and so, and their interpretation of what's happening is not correct because you can say that other religions are also maybe latching onto something, but their interpretation of what it is is not correct. So, but yeah, but in any case, I think like whether it was religion or not, like I see your point about, it may be not be may not be religion, but whatever it was, it was something that they zealously believed in, right? And and Gaia was certainly like at the beginning of the episode, they could have just not made this a thing. They could have just said, um, you know, um, Gaia is just a practical person, she, or she's just going along with this, or whatever. We're not really gonna show anything about her character. But they started the episode highlighting this in that conversation with between Indra. And Gaia, and she's like, have you made up your mind? And she's like, do you mean have I changed my mind? No, I haven't changed my mind. And then we saw her change her mind, and we saw nothing about 
what this what happened why why this change happened she was just like the explanation that she gave was you did some pretty badass shit <laughs> and now <laughs> now I'm going to change my whole well, world. Well, except that Gaia went through that whole ordeal in the hallway with her, right? I mean, they went, they were in she this kind of- She saw the spirits well, right, working I mean, through her, as, I mean, as but the they case were, may be. I mean, but just on a personal level, she didn't know Octavia from Adam, right? Like yeah. she, and so now then- She just knew her as her, as her uh, you know, step, what is it? Stepsister, I guess, <laughs> is the case, you know? like right. But yeah. she, but in this episode, they go through this ordeal together where she is, she decides to help her. So she's running in the hallway and saying, Sky Crew's going this way. And then she watches her, stops her mother from interceding and says, no, she has to do this on her own. And then watches what she does. Like, I mean, that whole scene is like watching this one culture pass from one thing to another, right? Like they're ramming the door and they're chanting, blood must have blood. And then the scene ends with this collective, you know, one crew or you're an enemy of one crew choose. And she watches all of that. And I think it's almost, I mean, if you want to talk about it in religious terms and you take it at face value, then you can say that's kind of like a moment of conversion that she experienced. She was there right there with Octavia when that all happened and they all bowed down to her. Can I get in on a little bit of my bullshit for a sec? As, <laughs> as this is kind of okay. Wait, your so, aliens bullshit? No, no, we're gonna get it on my heartbeat bullshit. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, go yes. ahead. But I would like to yeah, yeah, Yes. Yeah. Okay, so this is actually like get so so you're saying that she had a moment of conversion, which if we're talking in religious terms, what is it that Christians enjoy like what is a term for a Christian? What are they are reborn, as the case may be, when they find faith. Um, and in the sound design for this episode, um, they noticeably, once the fight was happening and once it started to die down, they sort of brought up this sound effect of a heartbeat, um, which is, you know, sort of a universal understood term of, of life. Um, you know, find somebody's pulse, they're alive. Like, let's not get into like brainwaves and stuff like that. Like in antiquity, if someone had a heartbeat or if they were breathing, they're alive. No, right? it's no way. And actually it's the first thing you hear. Yeah, is the first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, but I mean, if you're pregnant and you want to, like, that's the first thing you hear, like your first experience, like, oh my god, fuck, we're having a kid, is that you yeah. hear the is that you hear the heartbeat. So yeah. So so in that moment, Octavia is reborn as the commander. She's covered in blood, um, which babies are when they are born. My understanding mm-hmm. of it, I don't know. It all seems weird. I think we should lay mm-hmm. eggs. Um, but, um, in, in terms of, and it's also a a somewhat popular, well, not some, somewhat popular, um, sort of trope, I guess would be the word, uh, to use in film and television. And I like went on this huge long, like walkabout of the internet trying to find like really good examples because I could picture them in my head, but I couldn't remember them. But the main one that I found, uh, which is probably the most, uh, uh, famous use of heartbeat, um, to, to sort of signal some, this sort of change in someone, uh, is actually from, from the movie, The Shining, uh, which if you haven't seen it, it's, it's some fucked up shit. Um, but it's basically a family goes to live in this, um, hotel, uh, and care, be caretakers for it, this isolated hotel and be caretakers for it, um, for a winter. And basically everyone goes fucking crazy and it's haunted sort of. Um, but anyway, there's, there's, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, um, who, uh, there, there's a very famous scene called the, the room 237 scene, um, where he sort of, is in this room and you hear this heartbeat um, and there's some creepy shit happening and he ends up like 
anyway, a naked ghost woman comes out of the bathtub and kisses him and whatever. It's creepy. And there's this heartbeat that's happening in this whole time. And sort of the, the film analysis of, of that scene is, is seen as, um, like she, that this woman, um, that she is the manifestation of the evil that lurks, um, sort of within this hotel, this, it's called the Overlook Hotel. And Jack Torrance, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, um, kissing her uh, is the moment that evil truly takes over his soul, um, setting setting in place the the sort of final act of the film where he has sort of accepted his role as sort of this like embodiment of evil. Um, and you know, you Shaheen, you even uh, said, um, "Oh no, we were actually talking about Echo being evil last week." Never mind, ignore ignore that. Echo's not evil. <laughs> For, delete that. That's um, another one where I was in the car shouting, Shaheen is right. But yeah, go ahead. First of all, I don't agree mouth. with evil. I don't like people are, but 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 but, but, but the heartbeat is is, you know, if, if we're if we're talking about homages, this was a very like deliberate sort of sound effect to use um to sort of signal this transformation of, of Octavia being reborn, you know, into the emperor. We're going from a republic to an emperor, uh, to, to an empire system. Um, you know, she is going from, well, I mean, it was never a republic, but anyway, well, I mean, there was a council where at least there was representation. I mean, that was at the top. There of the wasn't episode. any council ever since they landed. Like I was, that, that was one thing that I was kind of upset about in season two was what happened with the fucking, uh, Exodus charter. And like, what was that about? So you're not well actually my heartbeat thing. You're well actually my use of the word republic. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> anyway, so that was that was that was my heartbeat bullshit um, from from. Wait, that so scene. who is the the evil that lurks within? I mean, Octavia? it's it's a moment of transformation of, of being oh, reborn. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, whether or not you view what Octavia has become as evil, that's sort of a separate issue, and we didn't really get enough of it to you know give a moral judgment one way or the other, but that was the moment that she was transformed and they brought up the sound of the heartbeat, which is she is born. She is alive right. now. Um, she oh, is yeah. this new yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one and, of my bullshits. Yeah. I have one other bullshit for, for later. But. No, I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. I mean, it was clearly a really conscious editing choice. Yeah. I so. feel like the sound design has been. Yeah. And I, and I wonder also is that the later scene a- after she has, um, open the door and the, she's back in the executive suite. <laughs> uh, there's the scene where she's crying. Like they very noted, like the camera's super close up. They show the tear. And, and part of me was, you know, she clearly was probably surprised by how upset she was by Jaha dying. Mm-hmm. But part of me also wondered if she's kind of mourning who she now has to be. Mm-hmm. Cause she like committed in that moment. Right. Like, Holy shit. This is who I have to be now, and this is what because she is was kind be. of play, she was kind of um, they showed us at the beginning of the episode not playing at it, but just kind of like thinking that it could run itself, that she could spar and kind of do whatever she wanted to, and maybe go out there, put the gear on her forehead, and wave at people, and everything would be fine. That's not <laughs> that's not who she's stuck in the bunker with. Right. Um, I mean, it's really. I mean, if you look at it just from a perspective of her character. At the beginning of the episode, and, and this is actually considering where she was at for most of season four, it, for her to be at the beginning of the episode sparring with Miller, joking around, smiling um, with Nyla, being like, am I going to see you later? Smiling like that. Are they fucking? 
I hope I like how off. Nyla is in the loop. Like she's always of everything. She's always like in the higher upper circles. Like she she's always like involved and in, like included. They're like, yeah, by the way, we're gonna bomb that place. And she kind of just knows, you know, she would make a perfect like tree crew uh, spy. Maybe she is the snake. Maybe. Mm. Whoa! It's all Nyla this whole fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, y'all! With her fucking with with her little like coffee cart that she pushes around. That's a good maybe cover. She's, maybe she's uh, Becca. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I mean, if you look at if you think about like Octavia, at the beginning of the episode, actually seeking out like companionship, friendship, yeah. and then think about what she's at the end, and think about it in terms of like season four. I was so desperate for her to like, or season three to be commanders to be alone. Uh, like it's just sad. It's really sad. We're we're right back at it. Um, Because even though she, at the end of the scene, was surrounded by sort of her sycophants, for for lack of who they probably have to be around her now. (laughs) Because, like, let's say, you know, you probably don't want to piss off Octavia. Um, But, you know, to see Gaia and Kara and um, the little boy... Um, we didn't see Abby up there and we didn't see Nyla up there, which, which I'm curious about. But, you know, she the way that she was sitting, like they weren't all sitting with her. Like they are not her companions anymore. No, Um, it was solitary and she was not showing any emotion. Like her face when she was deciding whether that person lived or died was showing no emotion. And, and, you know, she always gets a lot of, I mean, and she should, a lot of credit for like her physical acting because she's Mm -hmm. like does her own stunts. It's incredible. But she did a lot of things that were like, if you Actory think acting, well, yeah, I mean, just with her face. I mean, when she's talking to Jaha and Jaha's talking about her, and he's basically like, "Yeah, we're going to talk about this now." She like slumps down on the floor like a grumpy teenager. <laughs> I mean, it was like versus how she's carrying herself at the end. It was really like, in terms of just her character from the beginning to the end. I mean, yes, it's a big jump, but it, I just thought it was really good. I think we're. Gonna I like see- those moments. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say I like those moments when she, like, someone pulls her over, uh, someone pulls her aside and she's like, dude, I I don't know how to do this shit. And, mm-hmm. like, it's happened with Indra and it happened with Jaha. Like, I like that she, uh, this is em- that this is emphasized that, like, she's not actually a leader and she doesn't know how to lead. And maybe that partly explains why this seems like a weird decision to make because like, well, she wasn't really the type of person who makes these kinds of decisions. So anyway, go right. ahead. Jill. Oh, wait, and she, what? And she grabs, I mean, I think it makes sense. Then you grab, she grabs onto something like what's an anchor. These are the stories I grew yeah. up with. Right. And she grabs onto that. And then, I mean, it's just a pretty incredible transformation from the top of the episode to the end. Yeah, so, I just don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of stories that we told each other, um, can I get on? Do you have another bullshit? literary callback? Slash another literary callback. Reference? Um, yeah. So we ended season four with Bellamy talking to her about Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who the he stole fire for humans, and his punishment was to be tied up on a rock and have his liver and organs eaten out every day by an eagle. Great. That sounds terrible. Great. Um, first of all, like there, so there are two bits of references that like that could be attributed to. Um, the first one would be um, the giving tree, which was, you know, what we opened with, with Jaha. Um, 
you know, reading it, reading it. What the fuck was the kid's name? I want to call him Lucas, but I don't Ethan? think that was his name. Ethan? Sure. Ethan? Yeah. Ethan, Ethan, the the adorable little cherubic boy. Um, where the giving tree is, were we supposed to see that as Jaha or someone else? Because like in this, in this instance, you know, the giving tree, the, the whole point of the book, if you haven't read this book, um, you know, and we, we can get into the whole, uh, you know, misogynistic issues with, with the book and, you know, whatever. But hmm. the basic, mm, but the basic idea is um, that there's, there's a tree and a boy and the boy just keeps returning to the tree throughout his life to take things from it whether it's shade, whether it's branches, whether it's the wood. And then finally, by the end of the book, the tree has nothing left to give and the boy is old. And well, the boy is now an old man, I guess. Um, But all all this tree has to offer uh, is a stump for him to sit on. Um, But the idea is that this tree is always sacrificing parts of, and and again, this comes into an issue of parts of herself because she is written as female, which we'll not get into that um, because that's a whole Uh, separate discussion. Um, Well, I mean, okay. Well, I read it as a parent-child thing. This was, by the way, one of my favorite stories. Um, Shel Silverstein, who wrote wrote this story, also wrote a couple other short stories that I really, that was really into when I was a child. Um, You know, The Missing Piece, series and the um the thing with that lion anyway so (laughs) he's awesome (laughs) um but i read it as a parent child thing i wasn't sure if the tree was male or female i i always under i mean i read it in persian there are no it's it's female in the in the english version in persian okay so like it was i just thought it was a parent figure Oh, wait, wait, wait. Could be a mother. Actually, wait a second. That's so interesting. So there's no gender assigned to the tree in the in the right. There are no gender pronouns in in Persian and no gendered nouns. So it's you'd never know if it's just third person. You never know what what gender it is. Hmm. So so in the English, it is female, and so you there's this whole like subtext of an issue where. Um, women are supposed to... I don't understand to- why that's misogynist. That seems flattering in saying that... Yeah, I agree. Mother sacrifices everything. Uh, yes, you could read it that way, or you could read it that um, the expectation of women is to give and give and give until that there is nothing left, um, you know, and that men are entitled to take. So here's... Okay, so here's the thing. I And, and so Shaheen, if, if you're not... This was like a whole... Um, really interesting discussion on Twitter. And I, I can see it both ways, obviously. Like you e- could accept e- that as someone who has to read the giving tree on a regular, <laughs> on a regular, on a regular basis. Um, and actually just way before that clip came out last week. When was the last my, time you read it? My six-year-old read it to me for the, for Aww. his, for, I, I, yeah, it was really for him, but accept that. Well, it was really sweet. It was the first time he read it for himself to me. He sobbed, like uncontrollably sobbed at it. So the idea mm-hmm. that it is misogynistic when a six-year-old boy, the, the terminology, even even in like the way the book is written, when they're like the boy takes and takes and takes and that you get to the point where they're like the tree was happy, but not really. There's no one that walks away from that book and thinks that the boy growing up into the man is in the right. 
So the idea that it's a misogynistic book and and saying women need to give should give and give and give and men can take and take and take the book if you like look at the text is completely undermining. It's not it's not portraying what the boy is doing in a good light. And when like a six year old reads it, they sob. And my nine year old read when she was. I mean, to listening, be fair, your kid is pretty fucking woke. <laughs> well, I th- no, I I think it's just a a. a normal sort of like the first time someone reads it as a child they are like bereft at like the the juxtaposition like the selfishness versus the selflessness Mm -hmm. they walk away from it and they're like how could he do that I mean my little my son was so angry like why would the boy do that so angry about it and my daughter was like why do grown-ups why do they grow up to be like that so there's so many I love the book because there's so many layers to it I mean the one thing I think particularly for this season is I've also read about it being sort of an allegory for environmentalism, that you have nature, which should, I mean, mother earth, it's not surprising that the earth that they chose a female mm-hmm. give her pronoun a life, blah, for. Blah, blah. Well, right. I mean, even if you if the whole season is about mythology and mother earth and Gaia, we have a character named Gaia. <laughs> Actually I mean, a character named Gaia. Right. <laughs> so you have the mother earth, but, but the story from like a, through environmental lens is that the boy is humanity mm-hmm. and the tree represents nature and the boy takes and takes and takes and takes and takes until there's nothing left. And I think that's sort of the story, not only of this season, but that the whole show has been telling like every apocalypse every disaster has whether it's intentional or not been man-made and now we have a problem of as Ali would say too many people one small green space the berries are just coming back we have a sustainability issue last season you could argue prem fire and everyone's like lack of a bit like not able to work together or in some cases even acknowledge it was coming. Some people said that was an allegory for global warming. I think it's like a really fascinating choice that they had Jaha reading to the little boy. Like I love it so much and there's so many layers to like think about it. Yeah, that's very interesting. So the environmental aspect of it aside though, let's get into the discussion of if, if this represents a character, what character do we think the is uh what character do we think the tree represents is it octavia is it jaha is it just the leader in general like leaders give and give or i mean i mean i i don't know if this is something i've always wondered is the hundred a story uh, is like is it a defense of leaders even when they do terrible things or is it just a matter of like um a breaking bad type of thing where it's like I'm not saying what this person did is right I'm just saying this is how you get to the point where you do this kind of stuff but anyway so what do you think the tree represents I didn't look at it as, as one particular character or another I, if you were to look at a if you were to put aside that the fact that one is a tree and one is a boy and instead say I, I think another way to look at it because I think the show looks at this a lot is sort of the dualities of like human nature that we are, you have seen things like the culling in the first season that are sort of like the, the best, the selflessness in humanity. And then we've seen sort of like the worst in humanity and the boy versus the tree. One is like unconditional love and selflessness. And the other is, I mean, when you go back and read that book, particularly as an adult and see the things that the boy wants, 
they're all such, what's so devastating about it is it's all such ordinary needs and desires Mm -hmm. that like any of us have, right? Like he wants a house, he wants money, he wants to be able to do things. Just, you know, just normal stuff. He wants to go on a trip. I mean, none of it is, I mean, that's what's so like going back and reading as an adult, that's what's so devastating about it because it's all ordinary human wants. Um, so I, 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 that's how I looked at it. Joe, what did you think? Um, I mean, I think that Jaha reading it, um, an argument could certainly be made um, that it was possibly representative of Jaha, which, you know, was also kind of his, he had nothing left to give after a certain point. And so he chose that, you know, like he was like, you know, and and Octavia just being like, I think his fight is over, Um, you know, sort of recognizing that he had given everything that he could to his people. Um, And, you know, whatever you might say about, you know, his crazy bullshit about City of Light and, you know, bringing Ali in and all that sort of stuff, time and time again, he has done the impossible for his people. Um, And so I definitely think that an argument could be made that he is supposed to be the giving tree of his people. Um, But where does that leave them now that he's gone? Um, and sort of what Octavia has become. Yeah, I kind of resent that Octavia is is kind of set up to be like a successor to Jaha because I don't think she is uh, at this, of the same caliber. <laughs> if that makes sense. So, so here, here's here's my last bit of on my bullshit, um, mm-hmm. and it's about. Did it's you about, even uh, do your Prometheus thing? So, so I have one more thing, um, okay. and this this ties back to my aliens bullshit, which I will be piling on all season until the, until Jason Rothenberg himself yeah. is like, I've never seen any of the alien movies, and I'll be like, just like so you've it never comes seen out Buffy. And this confirms your theory. You're not gonna, <laughs> yeah, until yeah. and even that, I'm probably not gonna buy it. But okay, so this is like the very last like little bit, and this actually has to do with the movie version, uh, the movie Prometheus, which is um, sort of this alien prequel that made no goddamn sense. Um, it wasn't like sort of this horror action movie like the other ones where it was actually very um, philosophical and uh, a lot of religious um, sort of allusions. And the idea of it is um, there are these alien beings called sort of the, the, these creators um, and they go from planet to planet and um, they drink this black liquid and, and sort of terraform and create life. And so the idea um, with this is, uh, and there's even, so the other interesting thing is that there's even a mural of one of these giant beings um, on the ceiling that uh, the actual Prometheus ship that we encounter in the movie, you don't even have to worry about that. Um, and there's a mural of, of this of this giant creator um, with his side torn open, um, basically like with the idea of his liver being eaten out. Like he is Prometheus in, in sort of this idea. Um, he is this creator. And so, um, but then next to that, there's another mural in there of, of the famous, more famous sort of alien character known as the Xenomorph, you know, that, that the evil alien that eats everyone. And so the idea is that there are two mirrors of the same side. One is the creator and one is sort of, um, this evil thing devouring life and creation. Um, and there's a line from the original alien movie, uh, by Ash, who's this, um, sort of humanoid robot. Sorry, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. Sorry, CC. eventually you'll watch it. <laughs> I um, did. But, oh yeah. Oh, did you watch it? I've only seen Prometheus, which God makes me so it. mad. You've seen like the worst one. Like you no, haven't even t- seen no, the no, good no. shit. No, I have seen the good shit. So the reason why I've never watched them is because 
when they came out, I was too young to watch them, but I snuck downstairs when my parents and were watching it on like HBO. <laughs> Nightmare when fuel. And I happened to like sneak in and hide behind the couch right at the moment that that fucking thing popped out of his stomach. <laughs> and then I like screamed and ran back upstairs and had nightmares for like months. Cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. So, um, <laughs> so with these two murals, uh, and, and when, when Ash, um, in the first alien movie and they sort of encounter, um, one of these xenomorphs, one of these, you know, evil quote unquote characters, um, he actually describes it as a survivor unclouded by conscious conscience remorse or delusions of morality. And that to me, like the final shot that we see of Octavia, um, sitting on her throne as, as this sort of like, she has sort of shed all of these, this, this conscience, uh, that, that she had, um, by, by, by the end of this six year time jump, or at least we're led to believe that like, it's entirely possible that she is still faking it till she makes it. But the way that Marie played it and the way that sort of, I think that they've shown it to the audience. I think that we're expected to believe that this is who she is now. Um, and clearly shit's pretty dark and lacking in morality or remorse, but maybe, maybe I'm just over reading into this and just hyped up on my aliens bullshit. All right. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Neat. So, do we have a '90s movie reference yet? Well, Alien, Aliens. No. Well, so one of the Ali- sequels. Alien came out in the '70s. Aliens, I believe, was in the in the '90s, but we haven't discussed it on this on this pod yet. But maybe uh, something will come to us. Yeah. So we talked about Jaha a little bit. Wait, 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 I have wait. one. I have one. I have okay. a 90s movie reference, I think. Okay. okay, okay. When did Gladiator come out? Oh, shit, was it? Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. Because Excuse the typing noise. I think it was in the 90s. Because I was so disappointed. 2000. Curse Fuck. It. Here's <laughs> the thing, though. It was made in the 90s. Mm. Yeah. So you'll allow, allow it. You'll allow it. Because when I'll Octavia allow. did the hand up, I so wanted the thumbs up the thumbs. from Gladiator. Yes. But. Right. Like, I feel like I wonder if they have takes of her doing that. And then in that they were like, all right, let's maybe just pump the brakes a little on the overtness. <laughs> uh, I wanted her to be like, are you not entertained? <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry. Did you guys want to separately talk about Jaha's death? Yeah. Yes. Um, Okay. So let's do that. And then we move on to Kane and Abby. Um, So I was sad. Um, (laughs) I mean, how somehow we knew he was going to die or does it always feel like we knew afterwards? No, I think we knew he was going to die this season. We just didn't know it was so quick, but like, how do we know he was going to die this season? Because Um, he was no longer a series regular. Oh, okay. Well, and just, I don't know, like, I feel like his, his character time had sort of come. Like, it was just kind of this this feeling, I think, that we had in the fandom and, you know, sort of his, his demotion on, on um, not demotion, but, you know, change in sort of casting or whatever, you know, not a regular anymore and just right. guest starring. But then the yeah. moment that, like, we saw, like, the drops of blood. No, I was um, like, fuck, we're doing this now? And he was like, it's now? a scratch. And you're like, mmm. Uh... That was one of, yeah, and I think also people following his Twitter account, he would always say, I'm headed to Vancouver, and then he wasn't headed to Vancouver for a while. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so the behind the scenes stuff makes sense, but character wise, I've, I've we've seen them uh, discard promising characters and and use characters that didn't seem to have much to offer in surprising ways. So that could have that, that's a weaker argument. Sorry, what? I'm gonna miss him. Like he, yeah. as much as you like, would sometimes hate him. Like. A, Isaiah Washington did an amazing job with the character. And then B, like, Jaha was kind of always right. And damn it. Yeah. I honestly, I have to say, I I don't understand the, the hate. I, I really don't. It's it's I think really it's that perspective thing. I think it's why the same not to be whatever. I think that's why people, you know, also <laughs> hate Echo, where it's just kind of like <laughs> Jaha's perspective. Okay, the whatever. Fill, fill <laughs> yeah. in the whatever before you could, could finish this not, sentence. Not not to be what? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, they were making fun of me. That's apparently my catchphrase um, on the podcast, which I, I want was a t-shirt. Yeah, I want a not t-shirt. to be whatever, but not to be whatever. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, but but I think Joe it's that people people bitch about you know Jaha does this, Jaha does that. He's bad. Like he brought back Ali. Wait, but, yes. but no, 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 what? no, no. But can, but can we go back to that? This is the thing that makes me want to hit my head against the wall. Okay, this this one thing. This, this, it seems like the reason why everyone hates him so much is because they of fucked season- with their faves. No, 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 no. Is because of season three. But season three, he was chipped the mm-hmm. whole time. Well, yeah. okay. So here's this is there are two things about this that I don't like. <laughs> One is that the assumption that bring, This is the bringing, what Shaheen doesn't like hour, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, like nice the not pickle like in the middle of it. It's not his it's not it's not his favorite. <laughs> no, this whole Jaha thing when it comes up uh is like first of all, why are we assuming that bringing the city of light was a bad thing? True. Um and then secondly, um that he was chipped. I still don't. I still believe that when people who were chipped didn't lose their agency entirely. Um, this was signaled throughout the season. I'm uh, calling. With, I'm calling a well actually on that because there's no way Abby would have stabbed Clark in the chest. Like the, well, the, 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 yeah. The things I mean, that- we talked about it's very messy and un- unclear how it's supposed to work. And maybe somehow we are spo- we're supposed to believe that Ali gained more control or something. But it, they're clearly like there are times when it's emphasized that people have choices. Um, but anyway, so and Jaha specifically seemed like he had more agency, especially it wouldn't have made sense uh, if Jaha was in on just Ali's. Uh, program being played out, it didn't make sense that he was the one who convinced Allie and showed her how to, you know, get around the. I mean, this gets into our dissatisfaction with season three. Like guess, we didn't I, get enough. I guess, but I, I, I view like Allie leveraged everyone's talents. Like she leveraged what Raven knew about her friends. She leveraged what her mom knew about Clark and her skill with the scalpel. She leveraged Jaha's knowledge about how to manipulate free will because of his experience as a leader. I I just, if the fandom gives Raven and Abby and everybody else a pass for what they did when they were chipped, I don't understand why they can't see that from the moment we saw from the, from the season premiere of season three, Jaha was chipped. Yeah. 
No, I don't give any. I don't. I'm not sure we should give any of them a pass. Uh, but that's. I think it's different from different, from episode to episode, and I think it's different from character to character. Um, but it's like I said, it's it was very inconsistent as far as I'm concerned. It was incoherent. But anyway, um, I, I so yeah, I I don't know if that's even if we say you know chipped or not chipped, if that's like. Okay, so you brought the City of Light. It didn't go well. Lots of other things didn't go well. Um, and they that found out about... That could be like the tagline of the show. Lots of yeah. other things didn't go very well. <laughs> I mean, it's better than like Gladiator fight. But is the, it though? Like at least that was exciting. Well, but, the, but people in the Gladiator ring have agency. They have their own... They have, to a certain extent, more free will than they did in the City of Light. So Which, P.S., Kara winning that? Hmm... <laughs> yeah, didn't just her, some, didn't some her random hand get stabbed just like a couple a few minutes ago. Yes. Oh my god, it did. <laughs> Wait, what? Her, Octavia had stabbed her in the hand. Yeah. Oh yeah. What the fuck? Like, okay, yeah. let's like I can't decide who's a bigger well actually in terms of fighting ability, Octavia or Kara. Which maybe that's why <laughs> they're friends now. Maybe at the end of it they like had a beer and like were like, I can't believe I got away with that too. And then <laughs> You know, now they're best friends and she gets to watch from, you know, the podium or whatever. They're like, maybe it's the ponytail. Maybe the ponytail. Oh, my God. They're ponytail. They're ponytail twins. They're like, sup, sup. I like your hair. (laughs) Game recognized game. All right. Sorry. We were talking about Jaha. Do we have anything else about Jaha? Well, I I was was joking around that. Like in the last for season four and season five for I, I mean, season four in this episode, Jaha is basically like the Yoda of the hundred and that he's like counseled Clark. He's counseled Bellamy. He's Clark now counseled Octavia. I mean, I think you could argue he, he and Kane have back and forth sort of about leadership. I mean, he's basically been like the leadership mentor now. And I, and what he's, I'm trying to think like if he's, I think he's told them basically, I mean, it, it was crafted for the listener, but essentially what I was trying to figure out is like, what, what can we say like his leadership legacy is? Because he's now mentored the three main leaders with like from like the original hundred. So putting mm-hmm. aside Allegis, Octavia, Bellamy, Clark, those are our three main actors going and in some forward. ways, Kane and Abby, like. Yes. Yeah. In I mean, how, did he, how did he mentor Clark? Uh, especially well, in season four. Um, in season four. Like uh-huh. a lot of the conversations about, you know, you have to make them believe that, you know, they have agency or, you know, some sort of a chance, uh, you know, instead of the list. He seems to be making an argument to all of them. You need to do what's necessary and you need to not feel guilty about it. Like that that's what he was telling Clark in season four. I'm, I, I'm talking about the earlier episode where she was, you know, calling back to her father and he was like. A leader never starts out. I mean, what was the line? Like a leader never starts out wanting to lie or to mm-hmm. kill yeah, people no leader or worse. Starts out wanting to lie or imprison or oppresses his own their own people, something like that. The decisions right. that you make wear you down piece wear by you piece. Down. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't start out wanting to do that either. And then when he tells Bellamy, he tells Bellamy basically like in the episode where they were looking for like the first episode where they were looking for the bunker, and he's basically like, Stop feeling guilty, like 
you did what you thought you had to do and you need to let it go. Um, and then with Octavia, he's basically giving her advice that, that is constantly basically looking at human nature in kind of a, a cynical way, right? Like you have to give people something when they're scared. You have to give them something to hate, yeah. to, ch- to channel it. Um, and on the arc, it was death and you need to do the same. And, and I mean, I think sort of implicit is that is that people feel like a need to be in, in a group and they need a target for their frustration. Okay. Well, so Jaha died. We're sad. Anything else or should we move on to Canon Abbey? Um, I, I was sort of surprised at how like upset I was about Jaha's death. Like even knowing it was coming, I was just kind of like, Hmm, I am, I'm a little sad. Like they definitely like got my little heartstrings, my little, my little no heart pretended to beat for a minute. Um, it was a really sad and like moving sort of scene because, and you also kind of think about it, like from Kane and Abby's perspective, like love him or hate him. Like they were friends for their whole lives. Yeah. And I mean, the way, I mean, it just called back. I mean, that scene, in addition to just being beautifully active, mm-hmm. just was so steeped in the history of the show. Like the fact that Jaha had a wound and, and Abby's trying to uh, like fix it. And he's like, you can't fix me this time. That's and a you know, it's a callback to the pilot. He was stabbed in the liver. Just putting that out there. Prometheus, yeah. God, just just putting it <laughs> yeah. out there. He was stabbed in the fucking liver. Oh um, my God, you're so yeah. So, um, but it was just so. I mean, with the traveler's blessing. I mean, damn it, that thing makes me yeah. cry <laughs> every freaking yeah, time. That's really it was, good. It was really well done. But I mean, the whole episode I felt was like it was all a mulligan for him. It was all a do over, like the whole thing that happened in 412 and stealing the bunker and being on the other side of the door, they basically just gave him a total, like before he went out, they gave him a, a, a similar series of events, but gave him a different choice, but he still saved, you know, he didn't allow sky crew to just get slaughtered. Um, so I just thought it was interesting. Like if you look at this as like a bookend with, with um, 412, it just basically gave him a do over. And I mean, I, I would, I'm sad that we're never going to get, like, I'm sad that it wasn't that he's going to be somewhere else for the six years and come back and see what Octavia has done with his advice. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. I feel like that would be a very, I, I would love to see that. Yeah. Maybe he could have died in, in, you know, contemporary time. Yeah. 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 It's like, I knew it was coming, but then I wasn't ready for him to be gone. Yeah, like it was, oh, he's dying this episode, episode two. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Which is good, you know, it means the show still surprises us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at yeah. us being surprised by someone dying, by somebody that we knew was going to die, being like, oh, <laughs> look at you, show, surprising me. Um, Kane and Abby? Yeah, so I guess I'm just like the bitter one this time. And for, for new listeners, I swear this is not <laughs> how I am every episode. <laughs> I just still can't believe this four or five oh two. So okay, here's the deal with Kane and Abby. So <laughs> if okay, Abby, first of all, Abby was on Clark's list. And if they were going by the list, then she should have been on this side of the on inside the bunker anyway. Um so Kane didn't really do anything. She was supposed to stay. Now 
if Listen, we assume I'm over that- Abby's bullshit too. No, 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 hold up. Hold up. What do you mean he didn't really do anything? She was on the list. Because like she- at the end of season four, they decided to go with Clark's list. And, and Abby was on the list. So you're she saying was also he- essential personnel. So-, so you're saying he didn't do anything because Clark's list had her on, but she didn't, but she didn't want to live. But I she mean, was knocked out. She was unconscious. And they were. They said, okay, who do we keep? And they said, okay, let's just go by Clark's list. So if Kane wasn't even there that day, she, it, still she would have saved. stayed. Yeah, she would have been saved. Cor- correct. So in terms of he, in, in other words, he didn't break a rule to keep her. To keep her. That I get. But he knew what she told him, which was. Sure, that- sure. But she never was like, hey. By the way, if something happens, please take me outside or something. I don't. No, think I she- think she was. I she was pretty fucking clear. But and I and I actually like. Look, I know that there's lots of. I mean, if you go on Reddit, people have a field day having with all the Abby hate, and I get that she's essential personnel. The one thing that I do absolutely respect about what she was saying in 412 is unlike almost any other leader on the show, she made a decision the consequence of which was this group of 300 people were going to die. And she was actually willing to die with them and live with the consequences of her decision, which is something that like rarely any other leader lives with the consequences of their decision on this show. Sure. But here's the other thing. Like if she really wants to die, then die. Like as it is, she's kind of like just pissed at Kane for saving her knowing that of course he was going to like, of course, of course. Like there is no world and Kane even said it, he would do it a thousand times the same way. And so it's like, listen, Abby, like fucking shut up already about this. You've had 46 days <laughs> to be pissed off that you're still alive knowing that it is your fucking job to save other people. And if you don't want to live, then then kill yourself. Like I'm tired like I'm tired of you beating up Kane over this. Wow, there's so much wrapped up in <laughs> someone's choice of whether they want I mean and by the way like it's clear she's still going to have like there's clearly something physically wrong oh, with yeah. her. Oh yeah. Like that's and the whole thing. And she's deteriorating. Yeah. I don't I don't know if that was at all influ- I don't you know that's not from her dialogue in 412 but that's how she wanted to go out. Like, that's how she, she I made this choice. All these people are going to die. I'm going to go out there and die with them because a leader should have the consequences of their decision apply to them the same as the people that they've made the decision so for. So how long did she get to sulk about the fact that she was saved? It's, I mean, it was, it was six weeks. Can't she be pissed for six weeks? Damn it. Like, no one, have- no one gets to have feelings for that long on this show. But it was on a time. It, it was not like we watched six weeks of her giving Kane the cold shoulder in the high school cafeteria. Like, well, so okay. So here's the thing that was she. What is she upset about? Is she upset about being alive still, or is she upset that Kane? I mean, have you guys her? have you guys never gotten into an argument with someone where they made a choice for you, and that really pisses you off, and that was about well, something far more minor. Minor. Than I don't like, let other people make choices for me. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I'm trying to figure out is, did he make a choice for her? Like I said, if counterfactually, if he wasn't even there, it would have still happened. And like, yeah, so like, did he really make, like if he had 
left her outside, that would have also been a choice because she never explicitly said. Yes, she did. Pull me, take me outside. She, I, I don't, I don't like four twelve. It could not have. Been, I mean, just look at the rage that was on Reddit about the fact that she wanted to die. It couldn't be more clear what her wishes were. No, I understand. She said, "I'm going to walk out the store," but she didn't say, "Hey, if I get knocked out, dra- drag me outside the store." It's just kind of like if someone said, I'm going to kill myself, and then you knock them out, and then you're like, well, they're going to kill themselves, so I'm going to kill them now. It's That's not really – if unless they you know give, give written consent or something that like, yeah, while I'm unconscious, you can do this to me. I don't know. So it's, it's not entirely clear that he made a choice, especially given that – they decided to go by the list. That's when she said, I'm going to walk out that's, or I'm not going to be in the lottery. That's when they were going to do a lottery. But this, they eventually they decided there is no lottery. So I, I don't know. But yeah, anyway, there's also <laughs> the, the, the time issue, like Joe was saying, it's been a while. Like, that's that's a long time for you to be like salty about that which i mean but you know again like the whole point was that she was salty about that so then we could get the scene where they sort of forgave each other and like fine whatever um i think i don't know maybe like i think i'm just like not a cabbie shipper not that like shipping should like affect my sort of enjoyment of scenes but like i feel like that's not what i was focused on for this episode um yeah no i like their dynamic i i i dig cabbie where the fuck was Abby in in the last part, though? In, in mm, don't you think that's why Kane is in the pit? I I mean, he made clear, and that con- that conversation was like crazy foreshadowing when he was like, "I did it, and I would do it again." And you're like, and then, oh. and then yeah, at the something end, having to do with Abby is what we think. So he and, and she needs some- pills, and she needs yeah. pills, and they even have like a point where she can't get access to the pills. And she goes and she's a little not- bit shaky and gets a little sweaty about it. Yeah. Wait, I mean, so I- does that mean she survived with the headaches for six years? Well, so so it says that she said that the ice bath was supposed to fix it. And so yeah. clearly she went through what Raven did, but there's something right. else wrong with her. Or like, it didn't work fully. Well, she was Schmeitz. Sh- yeah. Was there a di- and is there a like I mean just I'm trying to think back to how they were both de-chipped. Well, Abby was um, shut were down both the de-chipped same way with a with a EM we, yeah, with electromagnetic pulse whatever, EMP. But Abby, Abby's was a little more fancy because Raven made it. Raven designed fancy. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just appreciate, like, I, I, I like their dynamic um, <clears throat> a lot, a lot. I think it's probably the best developed because it just took so long and was built so incrementally. That um, slow burn. The slow burn. But yeah. I mean, but slow burn, but it also... They their interaction has so much to do with the others, like character development and 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 it wasn't always sunshine. Like it wasn't always like a romantic slow burn. Like it was like no, they've they've done fucked up shit to each other. Yeah, like, some real fucked up <laughs> shit. Yeah, but not like so, abusive fucked up shit. Just no, like, there's a reason. There yeah. was a re- I mean, right? Like even the shock lashing was just following like the Exodus Charter. Like absolutely. But I get what I liked is that 
sometimes the show has like, for example, like in certain points in season three, it, it got so dark and, and this episode is really dark, but that you have to, with shows like this or like the walking dead or like game of Thrones, you reach a point of like suffering porn that you're like, you're like, why, why would people continue to fight? And I don't think it's actually realistic if you don't show who people love, why they're fighting. Like, why do they still want to get up in the morning? Um, and having a seat, taking a beat for scenes like the one between Kane and Abby that, that I thought that one particular scene was beautifully written. I think they're both really good actors. Mm -hmm. I was great. I was grateful in the midst of a hellscape. I'm glad to that we didn't wash over it. Like, and we're like, Oh, Abby's over it. Like, you know, or they just have, like, yeah, a really that's quick the one thing that actually, that's the one thing that actually was like given breezing time. For once we had a conversation. Yeah. We saw it multiple times. They went through it and they kind of, you know, digressed into other things. They came back to it, talked it out. And then, you know, it got resolved. It wasn't like Gaia, like, oh, I had a change of heart just right now. Just I, me I know, mean, FYI. yeah, I like, I mean, <laughs> I, I live for moments like that when two characters are like alone and because of reasons that are beyond their control, they're like, you know, handcuffed. I mean, only in the, yeah. the only time this that you can ever This is getting sexy, Cece. No. <laughs> I like it when they're alone, they're handcuffed. <laughs> well, I was going to say the only time you can actually like have a conversation that delves into like the shit that you need to talk out is because you've been imprisoned in a room and handcuffed <laughs> on the hundred. Yeah. Right. There has to be some reason for like a stop in the action, but I was really, and, and I thought that the whole setting of it, it's like a man and a woman and a garden all around them. I mean, I think the Eden imagery was mm -hmm. really like, they're definitely like doubling down on like the whole imagery of it. I thought it was, I was just grateful for it in the middle of all of that. I feel Blood like these first two episodes and possibly this entire season are like love letters to like people who went and majored in the humanities um, <laughs> and just being like, look, yes, you finally it. get to use your major. Look, <laughs> after all these me? years, you get to watch a TV show and it'll kind of make you think about a little bit of things. Yeah. I would argue, Joe, mm -hmm. that they're saying, I mean, I, I, I'm... I think it's really interesting. I mean, there was some posts on Reddit talking about you have this Christian imagery in the first episode about or, or, or biblical imagery mm -hmm. of Clark going through the desert and then facing trials in the desert. And then she arrives at Eden and then she's like baptized. The building that they're like using as their home is a church. And then this mm -hmm. episode, it's layered with all this Roman history. And it's like using all of these basically like the mythologies of Western civilization um, and like playing, like that's kind of their playground this season um, while they're using it like contemporary, like in the story that we're building, yeah. like who we yeah. build myths out of. And I just think it's, it's just really well done. It feels like it's going to be a really meaty season to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Shine is still not on any of my bullshit. It, well, it depends on how the other episodes turn out or the rest of the season, right? As it always does, but... Yeah, I would say... Yeah. It's, I, guess I mean, we're still hoping that we'll see a little more... Cannibals? ...exposition for some of the stuff that we've seen. Like, we're hoping for a little more about Space Crew, a little bit about 
more about the bunker. We're still holding out hopes for cannibalism. We'll see. I will keep my barbecue flame lit in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so unless you guys want to talk about anything else, let's uh, do Will Actually's. Sure. Do you have anything else? Mm-mm. All right. Well, okay. So what are some, well, actually, Joe, you, you already talked about Kara. Yeah, I already Kara talked about Kara. Uh, yeah. my, my other issue was sort of 46 days in and the grounders are still wearing like all of their fucking furs and face masks. And yeah. you're just like, first of all, it's probably That's kind their of culture. That's how they, identify it's probably themselves. warm in the bunker though. <laughs> like yeah. underground tends to be a little bit warmer, like, and you know, you have all these people around generating heat and you're just like, dude, stop being so fucking extra. Like, ugh. Take it like at least take off your like as Gaiden like bear fur. Like just, <laughs> yeah. just wear, you know, like you see Kane and his Henleys, like it looks nice, you know, like whatever. <laughs> or at least like maybe cut the sleeves off. Maybe you have like a fur vest, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, those there's sort of weak well actuallys, but it's just kind of like <laughs> the grounders are the most extra fucking hot topic teenagers that have ever lived. Like, it's not a phase, (laughs) it is my life. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Someday you're going to grow out of this and you're going to look back at those pictures and laugh. (laughs) Anyway, what what about you, Cece? What are your, like, you have some... Um, I... I almost threw something at the TV when um, Kane and Jaha were at the not cool kids table in the cafeteria. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can't sit with us. (laughs) <laughs> with pretty much um but when they were with ethan and ethan who's like what is he like six he's was hung, five oh no, he's five he's five right so sorry you're right he's five um and he's so he's like can i have seconds and kane goes to give it to him and jaha's like no and look i get that he wants to teach him sort of like the lesson that they need to like but he has but, to grow but, but he's growing and Kane is not. And like, I almost like uh, the mom and me like threw shit at the TV. I was like, what the, f-? like you, of course you give, you give a child the, young- the food. No, no, but it's not even like a, uh, an empathy or like a moral thing. It's like biology. Like you don't or, want a bunch or, of stunted growth. Like, I mean, to be fair, gro- bears eat their children when they're hungry. So the, the, the thinking there is that, well, I can have more children, but this child can't survive on their own. So we should eat tender little young people. (laughs) (laughs) So our cannibal crew has gone from let's eat the people who died in the gladiator ring to who's tender and delicious. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I actually agree with you, Sissy. Like, I feel like that was a little over the, yeah. Like, that's not the lesson. That's not the time (laughs) to teach that lesson, Jaha. Like... Well, if you want the human race to survive and you have a kiddo who's five... Uh, and yeah. you want him to be growing and be healthy. That seems to be like, if you want the human and brain, I mean, this is when we need bubs on here to like, give us this, the like run the numbers on how many people they <laughs> yeah. need. But, but yeah. Um, and then the other one was, so I never remember you guys have talked about this in the past at one point, but when Nyla handed the book to Octavia and she's like, here it is. And I know Bellamy told you stories about Rome growing up. So, are all these books new to the grounders? I mean, because they shouldn't necessarily be, right? They've been laying around all of sort of the ruins of Earth. Yeah. Like, is this actually something that they could potentially have in common? That I like, don't these- know. I, I always thought 
I was under the impression that grounders completely lost contact with the previous body of knowledge. Because otherwise, it doesn't really make sense why they they don't seem to know anything about engineering. Or uh, I thought that all the books burned or um, or something. They just stopped reading them. But I don't know. I thought that because one thing we were told was that uh, what's his name. Um, the guy who created Trigger Sling, mm-hmm. David Peterson. David J. Peterson. He said that uh, the theory behind it is that uh, the grounders don't know English unless they're warriors. Yeah, and then they kind of like changed that up a little bit just because it was going to be impossible to have every single other grounder character not speak English. Um, well, I'm not sure if we've ever seen a non-warrior grounder speak English. Nyla speaks English. Isn't she a warrior? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. and it's also a warrior culture, so everyone's a <laughs> But yeah, I don't, so, I don't think they could read. I yeah, didn't that's, think they I, could read. That's what I was wondering. So Nyla just, like, I want to be in Nyla's book club. <laughs> yeah. Go, going around with her coffee cart. Um, she's, she's, she's yeah. what's the dude's name? Was it Brooks from um, Shawshank? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. There's your 90s but, but, you know, my reference. <laughs> Yes, we got it. And my favorite, <laughs> my favorite moment in the episode was, or just like um, unintentional, like unintentional comedy was when they needed to get Jaha across the no man's land. Oh yeah, and they're like, Nyla, can you make him a grounder? Look like a grounder. She's like, Oh, you know I can. And, you're like, and it was like a makeover show. Like, like <laughs> I wanted a montage. Of them, like, of Jaha, like, coming out of the changing room in different outfits and, like, Nyla sitting Before there with her arms crossed in a chair, like, shaking her head and then, like, at the last one, like, nodding. I was a little um, confused when Nyla completely understood what Jaha was talking about. Like, he was like, yeah, I'm going to redirect this electricity and short circuit the door and everything. And she's like, she mm, was I totally understand these picking words. up what he's putting down. And she's like, oh, yeah, and that opens it, right? And I'm like, uh... <laughs> I kind of need to listen to that again. <laughs> and like, you're a grounder. I don't know. Quit being so, so prejudiced and judgy, Shaheen. Maybe she like, I know. Yeah. She racist. picks, she picks up a lot during like physical therapy sessions. I'm, I'm air quoting, pillow, by the way. Pillow okay, talk so, with Clark. Yes. Pillow talk Nyla, with Clark. And, oh my God. I wonder if Bellamy's going to get down there and Nyla's just going to give him this look and been like, I fucked the girl you want to fuck. I fucked your sister. <laughs> like, I just, that would just, and like to have it come out that like maybe she also banged Echo at some point and like just Nyla <laughs> is just like the, like the pimp of the hundred and let's, we just never knew. Yeah, I think Beck, yeah. Uh, Echo probably visited the, the trading, trading post. post I'll point. put that yeah. in quotes, visited For the sure. trading post. That's what, that's what we, <laughs> uh, that makes sense. I mean, I think this episode confirms that like Bellamy should not be allowed to read stories to children ever again at night. <laughs> it's right. like season one. He like tells Charlotte's story. She goes she and kills Wells. And kills Wells. <laughs> <laughs> Octavia starts like a gladiator, like bunker fight club. Like he is officially banned from reading to children at night. <laughs> like it never ends well. Never. So if you see him yeah. pick up a book near Maddie, start throwing shit at your television. It's not <laughs> going to be like, well. no, Bellamy, no more bedtime <laughs> stories. You have not earned this. Um, did you have a Will Actually, Shaheen? Well, this whole episode is kind of a <laughs> bad Will Actually for me. Every part of it. I'm just going to say Jackson should have been in the Why? arena. Like the original, like the very original with the, Carol, the one that Carol won. 
because he was one of the guilty. He was an accomplice. He was complicit in that thing. True, he tried to fight it or whatever, but he was going along with them. He was taking orders from them. But then every by by that by that logic, then all of Sky Crew should have died, except like for every Kane and single Abby. one. But he was doing shit. He was like bringing the food. But and like he was at like the cost of high level otherwise. Like they would have killed him. At that point, he was a hostage. Yeah. Like you could see that he was actively considering whether he could get away with trying to take the gun, which was a moment. I mean, I think Shaheen, you pointed like that was a. I, yeah. I loved that moment. You know, like yeah, not all of us. Yeah, he contemplates taking the gun and he doesn't. Yeah, because how many of us would? Honestly. Yeah. And and uh, it's interesting how it seems like Miller knows that. He's just like, yeah, he knows that something like that probably happened because he's like, I tried to stop it, but I couldn't. Uh, Jackson says, I tried to stop it and I couldn't. And Miller is like, yeah, I know you're a healer. You're not a fighter, so. That's pretty cool that, like, he didn't have to tell him the details. He just, he already forgave him for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was good shorthand for showing, like, they, they're, like, intimate. They yeah, know like, each they've other. been together for six weeks. They're still in the honeymoon phase. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's um, wrap this up. You want to recommend any TV shows? Do you have, okay, CC is enjoying The Expanse. Me too. The Expanse was so good this week. So much. So good. It's such a... Are you watching it the, live with Shaheen or are you going to marathon it? Uh, I'm going to marathon it. Okay. Yeah. I'm it's still been like, really good. It ha- yeah. To me, it had even this week was like this week's theme in The 100 and The Expanse was how do you appeal to people and get them to follow you when they're scared? Totally. Totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely <laughs> like how do you talk to people who are just right in their own appeal- world. Yeah, do you appeal to uh the uh, better angels of their nature or do you give them someone to hate? Yep. That's yeah, that's no. pretty much the theme. Um it's been a great season. Definitely watch The Expanse. <laughs> um I think that's pretty much yeah, all we've been really watching. Westworld this this week's Westworld was a lot better than last week, so I'm more excited about that. Um yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else? Are you? No. Nope. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> thanks for. Thank sorry, we for ruined your date. On. Sorry. No. Uh, um, go get the the actual show. Next episode, we're gonna be talking about Sleeping Giants. Um, <gasps> oh, Bellark good. I'm glad, I'm glad you did your incoherent Balark screaming. <laughs> <laughs> CC is happy. And all right. I'm trying to keep um, it cool. Be cool. Be cool, be cool. guys. Be cool about Balark. <laughs> Be cool. All right. Enjoy your date. Thanks, Mar- guys. Married date. All right. Take it easy, guys. Don't forget your earplugs Bye. at the rock show. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Bye.